fight And we don't have to kill Everybody in the whole wide world Really just needs to chill No, we don't have to fuss No, no, no We don't have to fight Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Just Chill with Oliver George. This is episode 34 now. Um, the first time we've been back in studio in three, two, two or three months now. Uh, very excited. But before I get to the guest and we keep moving along with the episode, I want to remind you that if you're watching this on YouTube right now and you would prefer an audio-only version, you can get that on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. And vice versa, if you did not know there was a visual side to the show, please come check us out on YouTube. Subscribe on any platform. I truly appreciate it. The subscription numbers have been going up over the last couple of months. All you Kenny versus Spenny fans, thank you. <laughs> that definitely helped. But um, I really do appreciate every single person that joins into this uh, show's audience because I can just uh, reach more people, and that's what I'm going for here. So, without further ado, um, you're from Montreal, so that's sort yes. of uh, appropriate. <laughs> the guest this week, this episode, is Simone Holder. Thank you for having me. Uh, how are you? I'm okay. I'm doing okay. Well, yeah, we're all kind of yeah. struggling a bit. <laughs> exactly. I'm like so over the pandemic, but. It is what it is. I feel like I know you pretty well, even though like we really have not spent a lot of time. But um, you know, we had a, one long conversation on your show uh, right. back in the summer. Yeah, it was like two hours. Yeah, that was uh, great. That was yeah. great. Yeah, and that's why I wasn't that worried about today. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes I stress a lot. I still wrote notes, but like I felt more comfortable coming yeah. into this, knowing like, all right, we, yeah, we're we already gelling. We know, yeah, we're good. Because <laughs> um, it's true, we just we 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 gelled right away, like instantly. You yeah, know, you don't always find that, too. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes you get, like, awkward, yeah, just, you know, awkward doesn't pauses. And <laughs> um, so, okay, but before I met you that way, I was very becoming aware of you because you were really, really into comedy and really mm -hmm. into grinding. Like, you grinded harder than a lot of people <laughs> would have, you know, and myself included. I've never been good at that part of comedy, really plugging away and, you know, three times a week or whatever and driving to other cities. And mm -hmm. you've just really been killing it you know thank you thank um, you what's like a year and a half for you at this point or no it's only been it was a year in september so wow. it's been like so 14 even. months yeah wow. that i've been doing it okay so i read a bit on your website i know that you have been a comedy fan your whole life yes, yes. but you when you started comedy how old were you i was 52 so when i started yeah. what at 52 <laughs> pushes you finally to take that step you know well um i'd wanted to do it since i was like 15 but then like life got in the way and you know did other things but um it was over the course of a couple of years like um well, i moved to ottawa it'll be two years in february so okay. um february of 2019 I moved to Ottawa and prior to that, a few months before I'd lost my mom and a few years before that I'd lost my dad. And so February of 2019, it was just, everything was new. I just lost my mom, you know, adjusting to both parents being gone, new job, new city, mm. new everything. And the urge to, to do it had been coming and going for decades. And when I was in, I lived in Toronto before I moved here and I think I signed up and canceled God knows how many times for, for a course similar to what, to what I did here. And so when I got here last summer, I was like, there's nothing stopping me. Not, I don't want it to sound like my parents stopped me or anything, but no, no. there was, I was like, you know what? Anything scary that's happened to me that could have happened has happened mm. already. Like the things that scared me the most, losing my parents, happened. So how can this be any worse? Exactly. Nothing can be any yeah. worse than that. So 
That was my same situation after a divorce. I mm-hmm. was like, finally like, eh. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm pretty hurting already or I've been through a lot of this yeah. crap recently. Right. Doing stand-up and not it, it not going well. I don't mm-hmm. think it's going to be that devastating. Or, exactly. You know. Exactly. And it was it was also a bit of, I felt like I was living in fear. Like everything, any, um, I was just motivated by fear, it felt like. Um, I was more concerned with what people would think or what people would say than what I felt or what, mm. what I thought about something. And I was like, can we swear on this? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I was like, fuck that. Yeah. I want to live for me. Because I just felt like I was existing and I wasn't really enjoying life. And I was like, you know what? You're 52. You're getting old. You know, you don't have that much time left. Like, enjoy whatever time you have left. Do the, do all the stuff you want to do. And especially if you've been fantasizing about exactly. doing stand-up since you were 15. That's a exactly. long-ass time it, to be. Exactly. It was like 40, 40 years and it just kept, it, and it never went away. Like, it came up, it would go away. Come up, go away. And I said, I have to at least try it. Yeah. What do you have you to know, lose, right? Ex- exactly, yeah. nothing to lose. And, uh, you know, I I half expected it to be like, okay, I took this course, I did a show, it's out of my system, it's good. But that you didn't happen. <laughs> I, I was bitten. It's much <laughs> like a lot of people who get tattoos. I'll just get one tattoo. Yeah, and then they're and then recovered. I'll, you see them like two years later and they got sleeves and shit. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Man. So that must have been... Well, first of all, you took a course, which I found was interesting because I didn't know that. You actually took like a how to do comedy. Yeah, I took it. um, It was um, sponsored by uh, Absolute Comedy. It was given by Pierre Bro. Oh, cool. And because I had no idea like how to get started and, you know, where do you go and things like that. I didn't know how to write a joke. I knew I was funny. I knew I could say funny things, but I knew that there's an art to it. How do you formulate that? Exactly. So I was like, let me take this course and at least learn the basics. That's smart. Yeah. And I was hooked. Like the first, he put us on stage right away. And I was like, oh, you know, the angel singing. And I, I loved every like minute. Like no audience it. at the beginning, obviously. It was just a class. Yeah. Was in, how yeah. big was the class? I think we were, that first class, a couple people dropped out along the way. Okay. Um, but that first class, I think we were about 14. That's a good number. Yeah. And then by the, by the time we did our final show, which was, I think, six weeks later, we were eight. Seven or eight. Okay. But the final show, you guys obviously had an audience at yeah. that point to kind of... Yeah. It was a warm audience because it's you. friends and family and yeah. everything, but but still, it was it was, a, it was a real show. Well, and the previous classes where there's only the 14 people in the audience, that's yeah. also very true to comedy sometimes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <So>. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. Wow. First of all, I want to just sidebar here for a second. Probably my favorite question anyone can ask me on this show is, can we swear on this? <laughs> I love just saying like, fuck Yeah. <laughs> Because I, I never know, because it's like... Everyone's got yeah. their own platform. Right, yeah. right. Well, and I just want to be respectful. Like if Of course. If, no, yeah. I, I, I respect that you asked me that. That's very nice. But at the same time, it's so satisfying to just tell people, like, yes, Yeah, you, you can. can. Let her rip. If Darren, <laughs> if Darren Frost can say cunt 45 times in one episode, then you can say fuck once or whatever, you know? Um, but it's something that I've always made sort of like a staple of when I set out to do this. So that must have been a pretty, like, powerful experience when you actually did your first, like, big you know, performance oh, yeah. in front of people. I, I read yeah. on your website that you kind of like broke down. Afterwards. I did. I did. I did. Cause I was, um, I was nervous up until Pierre called my name and even like, actually as I was walking towards the stage, I felt it going away. And then once I got on stage, I felt okay. Hmm. Um, and then when I finished, I was like, ah, 
you know, just all <laughs> this like, ah, like tear your shirt open sort of thing. Yeah. And like people were coming up to me and like congratulating me and stuff like that. A guy hit on me and I didn't realize till hours <laughs> later, you know, because I was just like, ah. Too jazzed, yeah. Yeah, I was so jazzed. And then when I got to, when I left the club and I had parked across the street, when I got into my car, I bawled. I just broke into tears and just sobbed for like, it was over, I was overwhelmed because I was like, oh my God, I finally did it. I loved it. Mm. I did well. You know, my sister and brother-in-law had come. Like I invited like 20 people and they all came. Everyone I invited came. That's awesome. Yeah. And I hadn't been in Ottawa that long. So I had my sister, my brother-in-law and two close family friends who came up with my sister and brother-in-law and everyone else was who I had met in like the seven months that I'd been in Ottawa, like some people from work, some people from the gym that I was going to, and they all came. That's cool. Good support just, system. Yeah, it was a huge support system. Because I remember when I called um, Absolute to reserve, and they're like, how many? I was like, 20. And he's like, are you sure? I'm like, I'm sure. Nice. And I said, I'll, I'll eat the price for whoever doesn't show up, but I need 20, please. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and everybody showed. I'm sure the club loved that, too. <laughs> Yeah, so, um, yeah, it was very overwhelming. It was really, like, I didn't sleep until the following night. This was a Monday night, and I probably got home around 11, and I didn't sleep till, like, Tuesday night. <laughs> I was just so, I took the day off from work. Um, it is kind of like a weird um, release. Yeah. Like, as soon as you it's over and you walk off the stage, yeah. and all this, like, tension just raises off your shoulders. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure when you're, like, an expert and you do it all the time, then maybe you don't get that anymore. But I only kind of do it once in a while whenever mm -hmm. I get the urge. So I always still get like wrecked with anxiety <laughs> beforehand. But that feeling, that's one of the reasons I love going up like early in a show. Cause there's nothing better than doing your set, having it go well, and then getting to kick back and just yeah, enjoy just relax a comedy show. Yeah. Like that's a, another thing I read that you wrote that I really related to was going to shows by yourself. Mm -hmm. I used to do that all the time. Yeah. And I honestly think it's probably my favorite way to go to a comedy yeah. show because you know, when you bring a lot of people, you get distracted. Some people aren't comedy fans maybe in the same way mm -hmm. and they're a little more chatty or they pull right. their phone out and embarrass you. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, there's just something you can totally lock in and really focus yeah. on the art form, you know. Oh, yeah, because I've gone um, for years, I'd go by myself. You know, even when I was living in Toronto, I would go. There's a Yuck Yucks there. I'd go there. I'd, I went to Absolute. I used to live across the street oh, nice. from Absolute um, maybe like 12 years ago. Cool. And I would go to shows there, just show up. And, you know, table for one and, <laughs> and just and just take it in. Occasionally I'd go with friends, but I always preferred to go by myself. I kind of feel the same way about yeah. movies. Yeah. I, not that anyone's going to them these days, but um, I love going to the, the cinema or whatever. And uh, I've always found, I mean, certain people I don't mind going with, with Kelly or like people I know that aren't going to be annoying or whatever. Right. But every time I go alone, it's like just so much more immersive. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Like nowadays I go... Um, I still go alone, but, um, but now you got people saying, Hey, Simone, yeah, exactly. all the other comics recognize you and shit. Yeah, exactly. Or I go with other comics who are also locked in, you yeah, know, that's that cool. we're paying attention and then we'll talk about it after or whatever, but, but you've lost um, your anonymity in, yeah. amongst the local <laughs> exactly. comics, that's for sure. You can't just blend in. At I a can't just club. slip in. <laughs> well, that's just a testament to how hard you've been grinding though. Like. You know, you do a lot more than most people, especially during quarantine or COVID or whatever. Yeah. I saw you driving to Kingston and Montreal <laughs> and like, you know, you're always trying. So that's cool. Yeah. Because I, I, I know at one point um, when we were in full lockdown, when everything, when everything and everyone was shut down, um, I felt myself just getting, like I deal with anxiety and depression and, 
and things like that. And I felt myself like circling the drain type Ooh. thing. And I was like, I have to do something. So I tried making videos and I'm like, I'm not, I don't make videos. <laughs> I don't, that's not my, that's not my thing. And um, I just joined a whole bunch of, of groups, online groups on Facebook, like outside of our Ottawa community. Like I joined the Toronto groups. I joined Edmonton groups, groups in the States. And you're doing virtual shows. Yeah, I did yeah. virtual shows. Um, Which Give me a, a bit of that because I have not done one. And I, I've heard, you hear a lot of trash talking about them from like yeah. all the pros or whatever that they think it's, oh, stupid Zoom shows. No, but I have think. Have you had good times? I've yeah. had good times. Like it's weird. I'm not going to say it's not weird. And it's not the same as being on stage. But I think that all the shows that I did put me in a in a... You know, I hit the ground running, I feel mm. like, when things opened up again. You always learn something yeah. in every performance. Exactly, yeah. and it's still a performance. Yeah. You still have an audience. It's it's still a performance. You still get to work out. So was the audience just the other comics, or was there actually shows where you would have um, people just... Some, sometimes. Most of the time, it was just other comics. Yeah. Like, I was on one that I used to do weekly, and it was based out of L.A., and um, I think the longest... It was one of the longest open mics I'd ever <laughs> attended. It was like three hours because oh, it was like a hundred comics just wanted to to participate, yeah. you know, and you'd get a time slot and then you'd like jump in weird. sort of thing. Yeah. So it was really, really weird. Um, but yeah, most of the time it was just other comics and other times it was, there, there might be a few audience members, but for me, it didn't matter if it was all comics because I didn't know any of them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's you know, they were all strangers. new. Exactly. Exactly. A lot of honest feedback and yeah. exactly, and hmm. it. I, I found it was it was interesting because, you know, like their topical humor is very different to our topical humor. Say, yeah. like dealing with the states, and they were saying, um, they were like say making um, political jokes that just went over my head. You know, because we like at least with American politics, we get a very big picture. Yes. Um, big picture. They talk about present. some senator, and you're like, I yeah, don't exactly. Know or yeah. they talk about like a specific department, and I'm like, well, what the hell is that sort yeah. of thing? You know. So I know a couple of times, I was like, I I missed the joke because I didn't get the, you know, it it was it was too specific. Yeah. Well, but, and and probably work the other way too. You can't be dropping so many jokes about. Parliament, right, right, like, ah, exactly. You don't get your Canadian shit, right? Because one of my jokes, I modified it. All right, I, I can't remember if I modified it or if I took it out because here, I like I made it. I had a, I had a bit about how I went to Jamaica right before a shutdown, and that I forgot to turn um, my dating app off, and so I was like pinging off all over the <laughs> island, and all these men were trying to trying to you know um, connect with me. And my, the punchline was like, they're all like eager for a permanent resident card, yeah. you know, but they wouldn't know what that is. Yeah, that's true. You know, they wouldn't know what that is. Or it'd be called that, something else. Yeah, maybe, exactly. Yeah, or it has another, yeah, or something. And it's just not the same joke. So I can't remember if I said green card or, or what. I don't remember what I said, but I remember thinking, oh, okay, I'm, I'm going to have to modify that. Either modify it or take it out because it's too specific to Canada. Yeah. You know, and they, and they might not get it. That's weird, yeah. Yeah, I but it there's was even like other parts of Canada you could go to where certain jokes aren't going to like, right. you know, like one of the things I always see a lot of comics do is, uh, which usually works, is that before they do a set somewhere, they find out like the local haunts yeah. or whatever, and then they name drop some shit that gets the audience Yeah, all it gets, ah, on it gets all side. jazzed. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a really smart move. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, because I know last, it was last May, last April or May, before I started comedy, 
I went to see um, Eliza Schles- Schlesinger. I can't say her name. Right. I can't say her name. I thought it was. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's Schlesinger or something. She's funny, though. Very She's funny. hilarious. Yeah. And uh, so I've seen all her, her um, like her specials on Netflix, and I yeah. think she's hilarious. And I just happened to find out that she was playing at the NAC oh, nice. on this particular date. And I was like, oh, I hope there's still tickets. So I got tickets. I was sitting front row, and um, just she was amazing. Um, but what she said, and I found, and I remember thinking, that's really, really smart, and it's a smart way to connect with your audience and stuff. Is she said she always tries to get there like a day or two before her performance mm. and just walk around, walk around, drive around, talk to people, soak go into restaurants, in. just soak it in and get like a feel of the of the area, feel of the people. And then she can incorporate it into her act somehow. And yeah. I was like, that's, that's really brilliant. Smart. That's really smart. You see like people kill with like the random comment like, yeah, I saw uh, this guy down at Freddy's Crab Shack or whatever. And people were <laughs> like, oh, no, he didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. That's that's funny, but it works. <laughs> like I saw um, uh, Sebastian Maniscalco. Okay, yeah. I love him, and yeah, I saw him. Right I saw him here last November, um, but the first time I saw him was about a year and a half before in Toronto, and he made a reference to um, Woodbridge, in um, it's it's part of the GTA, and it's uh, it's got a very high population of Italians. Okay, and so he was like said blah 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 Wood Woodbridge. And this was at the um, the ACC. I thought the I thought the roof was going to cave in. Ah, Woodbridge, he said Woodbridge. <laughs> it's crazy how people respond to that stuff. It's like a shout out, yeah. Exactly, exactly. And I think it's fun. It's fun when they do that, you know, and you can relate to it. Yeah. And I think it's I think it's a smart move for any comic, you know. Definitely. Uh, I, I did a show with Nick Burden, and I love him. He's, he's so very good. funny. He's got good energy. <laughs> yeah. um, and it was out in, like, past the city limits kind of thing. It was like we had to drive. It was a restaurant. It was not, like, in the middle of nowhere, but it was a little bit outside of Ottawa. And I, I guess he grew up somewhere around there, so it worked out very well for him because it turned out um, some lady who was on her phone at some point, he kind of called her out, and then it turned out that he went to school with her daughter. Oh, okay. and, and she was on the phone with her daughter, so he started saying, like, Oh, tell her I said this or what? Yeah, I don't remember the <laughs> the total thing, but it, it was uh, really really funny, and it was that same connection mm-hmm. with the audience that he just did a little sniffing, and all of a yeah. sudden he was like connected to somebody. Exactly, it, it made it so funny for the rest of the room, you know. Even though I didn't grow up around there, it was just mm-hmm. funny to see that connection taking place. Exactly, exactly. Um, well, I want to ask you for someone who's been doing comedy for just over a year. What would you, advice-wise, what would you say you've learned in that year? And if someone who was just about to start, like you were, you know, a year and two months ago or whatever, what would you give advice-wise to that person or to past Simone even, you know? <laughs> um, I would say to just just do your stuff. Like, don't, um, don't try to be somebody else. Because mm. I know when, whenever we start, you've got a an image of your like your favorite comedian you want to emulate their style and stuff like that that you'll get your own style mm. um and to not let other comics bully you <laughs> like, don't a lot of that yeah weird, don't let sure. anybody like try and intimidate you or try and bully you because i i had some of that i dealt with some of that really yeah, yeah. like what i mean without going naming names yeah like what did well, you deal with? in this particular thing i got um hate mail i got a hate comment on my website and yeah. i don't know who did to this day i don't know who did it but it was like so specific i'm like this is someone who knows me someone from ottawa yeah sure. this is someone yeah. who knows me this is someone who's seen my 
my act and they were just really um insulting and so, and uh, condescending and just rude it's so weird yeah because you're like such a friendly <laughs> mellow easygoing person i don't know whose feathers you would rile like exactly that's very strange to me. yeah so I, I so just things like that because it like it rattled me so badly that i was like well, maybe i shouldn't do this mm. you know and then i was like no fuck them that's the <laughs> you know attitude, yeah because yeah, i was like you know after like the shock and everything wore off i was like you know someone instead of focusing on what they need to do or what focusing on their stuff they're focusing on me you know and then we you know Wasting their time when they could be doing whatever it is to benefit themselves. Yeah. You know, to hurl insults at me. So first of all, it's not a healthy individual. But right, second right. Second of all, it is kind of like you must be doing something right. Yeah. If you're gaining hate mail. Exactly. Because <laughs> I didn't see it like that at first. And I remember telling one of my friends and she was like, good. I'm yeah. like, what do you, what's wrong? What do you mean good? Yeah. And she's like. That means you're you're, you're, like, you're I just got anthrax in the yeah, envelope. Exactly. This is not just, good. Exactly. I just got <laughs> anthrax. Exactly. Um, and she's like, you know, you're you know, you're irritating somebody because you're you're doing you're doing well and someone has a problem with that. And they may be sexist or racist or yeah, something. Exactly. And that might be fueling it. But right. Uh, yeah. Right. Okay, well so, that kind of ties into a question I want to ask you, which was, um, how did you find doing normal stand-up, let's call it, versus when you did the competitions? Because I know it's a very... I've done a few myself, and I find it's very different than when you just show up to do your regular schedule yeah. six minutes on a Tuesday or whatever. Like That was... I didn't know what to expect with that. I really didn't know what to expect. So I was like, okay, I've got to come up with eight minutes of my best stuff. Mm. Um, and that's just what I did because I didn't have any... I didn't have any, like guideline or any sort of of um knowledge of how how it's going to go i knew it wasn't going to be the same as oh i'm on this show and i'm going to do six minutes i was i just approached it as i've got to like bring my best stuff i've got to perform the best that i can and i, I look going at it to like competitions that. and just being like i really don't care if i make it like i, I care if i make it through but i'm not gonna Mm -hmm. make the basis of whether or not I have a good night tonight Yeah, is do I advance. But I've seen some people take it really hard when they don't advance yeah. and they think that they should have. I've seen someone like go like, oh, this is bullshit. Like I, <laughs> she shouldn't have made it through or whatever. And it's just like, man, don't be so petty. Like, yeah, because the thing is like I wanted to make it through. I wanted to we go as do. far. Yeah, everybody yeah. does. Yeah. And anyone who says, oh, I don't care, then why did you enter? Yeah, exactly. Why did you sign up? Why did you sign up? I don't up? need that thousand bucks or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I don't need a week of paid shows like... Yeah, exactly. You're too cool. I'm too cool for that. But I know that I, I really wanted to, to get through. Um, and I know I was excited because I got to the semifinals. Yeah. You know, and I have to admit, I was like a little miffed. Not miffed. I was disappointed that I didn't get through to the finals because I thought, I thought I did well enough to get through to the finals. That's so the I other was, shitty part is the yeah. judging situation. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I don't know how they do it. I don't know other, how they did comedy it. comedy clubs. Oh, I do. At, at Yucks, at least. Um I don't know what they do in the finals, but in the preliminary rounds, it's like two people you've never heard of. And mm -hmm. I'm not saying that they don't, might, they probably have their own qualifications or reasons they were chosen or whatever, but it's still two people mm -hmm. and two people have their senses of humor. And now they get to pick what's the best. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's clear cut and it's obvious, but yes. other times you're kind of like, well, I don't agree with that guy's <laughs> opinion. Or, but what are you going to do? And then the voting, like the audience voting. And yeah. Well, we that, oh my God, that pissed <laughs> me off in this competition. 
Um, the one I was in the same competition as you. You you made it further than me, which is like not not. <laughs> That I'm so amazing or anything, but that was I was just like fucking go Simone, yeah, that's <laughs> Thank awesome. Thank you, because I had people saying, oh, don't don't worry if you don't get through, if you don't make it through the prelims, you might not make it through the prelims. Yeah, and I remember thinking, I'm going to make it through the prelims just to piss you off. <laughs> like, don't tell me what I can and cannot do. I'm well, sort of exactly, yeah. Then you're challenged. You yeah, know, I was like, I'm making it through. <laughs> I uh, remember being pretty bummed out because. In previous years, like if you made it through the first round, you were in the semis, or I believe so, at least in some other year I've done it. Whereas this year they made like some retroactive post where it was like, those actually weren't the semis, yeah, those were the quarterlies. Yeah. And I was like, ah, oh, goddamn, I told all these people I made it to the semis. Because I remember thinking, like, it's weird that they're like 18 people in the finals. Like, yeah. that's a really big. I think it might have just been this year because of COVID. Like, they wanted to start earlier, obviously. Yeah. And then they had to start in like September or something mm-hmm. like that. And there were a lot of, because how many, there were like, what, 12 or 13 preliminary rounds? Yeah, it seemed like it went on forever. Yeah, it went on forever. And then, um, yeah, so it was the prelims and then the semi, semi quarter. I, I don't even remember. I think it was prelim, quarter, semi, then final, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I was trying to think of whatever I was wanting to go with this. Um, oh, we were talking about um, the pandemic and how you said you were circling the drain. Mm-hmm. And I kind of wanted to just talk about the pandemic and what, you know, how's it been going for you? I, I read that you moved during the pandemic. And God, yeah. So I know there's a story there. <laughs> but um, yeah, like, because I recently, uh, I think you, you have a good point about, like, being busy and... and keeping yourself creative yeah. because I wrapped season one of this show at the end of October and I was like, you know what? I'm going to take a few weeks or whatever to just chill out because it's a lot of work doing all this shit. Yeah. By my, well, my dad helps, but you know, it, it doing the rest of my life and then editing and, and all this crap, I was pretty drained. Mm-hmm. And I found that um, the first couple of weeks were all right or whatever. But once I started getting restless, like my mental health started yeah. going on the decline. I, I mean, I didn't, totally have a crisis or anything but I was pretty close like yeah. I was having so much anxiety and like daily panic attacks and uh now that I've started kind of getting the ball rolling again it just kind of alleviates and you just yeah. there's something good about feeling productive right it's this satisfying uplifting vibe so, exactly exactly I, I always tell people like that are stressed out or, or going through something like try to create something try to even if it's That's just true. a stupid picture that you're not yeah, going to show to anybody yeah something because like, you need something to like for purpose or or something yeah. like that because um like I was working from home like I haven't been in the office since March 3rd okay because that was my last day of work then I was on vacation for like a week and a half and, and when you're I on ca- extended vacation. yeah exactly <laughs> and so I came back to people fighting over toilet paper <laughs> and stuff like that and um that's so <laughs> ridiculous it's crazy like I came back on the 12th like I flew out of Montreal we got back on the 12th, and then I drove back to Ottawa that night. Right when um, shit was hitting the van. Yeah, yeah, because I was like, because they were saying for Quebec to, like, isolate yourself for 14 days right away. And I was like, I need to get back to Ottawa. I can't be stuck here. I've got to get back to Ottawa. And um, You renegade. Yeah, you know, so I, like, <laughs> middle of the night drove back. Yeah. So I drove back like that, <clears throat> excuse me, like a couple of hours after we landed. And... I think it was the Saturday I met my manager. She gave me my laptop because I left everything at work. I didn't expect, of course, you would, know, the world yeah. to shut down sort of thing. So I got my my computer from her. And then from the Monday, I'd been working from home. But prior to that, my landlord 
informed me that he was selling the condo that I lived in. Brutal. And I was like, oh, my God. Come on. <laughs> so he told me in February, and I knew I was leaving at the end of March. Mm. And I, I found a, a, another place in the same building, thank God, just, oh, nice. two, just two floors down. Um, but um, just I knew the, like, the pandemic depression started to kick in because I didn't do anything. Mm. I had ordered like moving supplies and everything, did nothing. And it was like two days before the move that I was like, oh, maybe I better start packing. <laughs> So I started doing, so I started packing like Wednesday and I was moving Saturday. And so it, was, it, it went badly and all kinds of well, stuff. Well, it's not the time you want to be in like the communal elevator. Yeah. Because I was worried, oh, what if they cancel and I'm screwed and all kinds of stuff. And um, so that happened. So that um, managed to get everything out of the old apartment into the new one. And then about a month later, I um, started having pain in my jaw. Turned out my, what, my back molar was cracked. So I had oh. to have surgery <laughs> in the middle of a pandemic. And they were like, we put you under. So you got to have somebody come and pick you up. Yeah. And I'm like, I live alone. We're in the middle of a pandemic. I can't ask, like, who am I going to ask yeah. to like come? Uber or something. Yeah, yeah, sort of thing. So one of, actually, one of my friends that I met in the comedy class, she's like, I'll, I'll take you. So we were, I sat in her back seat. We're both wearing masks. She drove me there had the surgery, she came back and got me and took me home. So that was, and I was like, I looked like I was beaten about the face. <laughs> that must have been so painful. It was molar. actually, it was, yeah, the, the crack molar was so painful, but I had relief after, even though I was all swollen and bruised, it, I've, I was. The source of the pain is gone. Is gone, yeah. exactly. Cause they're like, just eat soft food. And I'm like ribs and <laughs> stuff <laughs> like that. You know, I'm like, I don't care. I don't feel pain. Oh man. Yeah. So, um, and like, I live alone. I have my cats, but I live alone. And so it just, you know, like the first, like anything else, like the first couple of weeks of something, you're like, oh, it's fine. You know, oh, I need the break or whatever. But as stuff started, you know, because at that point we didn't know because they're like, oh, just 30 days. Yeah, it was all up in the air. Yeah, it was, everything was up in the air. Nobody knew 30 days. So it's like, okay, 30 days. Oh, well, maybe 30 more days. And then when it when it hit like three months, four months, I remember I was just and, and things are getting canceled and yeah. everything. That isolation I, must be pretty yeah, brutal. It yeah, it was brutal. It was brutal. And so because I was alone twenty four seven, couldn't go out, you know. Um, working from home. Working from home, just in the same space. At least you had your job still. Though. Yeah, exactly, you know. exactly. I still had my job and everything. And my cats are like, "Why are you here?" Sort of thing. <laughs> like, get the it, hell out. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, i I remember it was, I think like end of May or something, just one day, just crying the whole day, just crying the whole sure, day and just feeling, did. yeah, just feeling like hopeless. And at that point I was like, I have to do something mm. like, what could I do? And I was like, I got to create stuff. So that's when I joined all the groups. I was going to um, say, this is a good segue into you started doing your own shows too. I know you yeah. said, I don't make videos, but I was about to say, well, you kind of do. <laughs> we talked for two hours on your show. No, uh, but I was like doing like YouTube videos. Like I did uh, a makeup video and then I did one where I was waxing my eyebrows and Oh, stuff. I think I saw that. Actually. That's pretty <laughs> and I was like, ah, like this. <laughs> it was funny, but I was like, it, it's, a, like it's a, I don't want to do this every day. <laughs> I don't want to do this all the time. And so I was like. The thing that that really felt was that I really missed was like interacting, not just performing, but like interacting with the other with other comics, just, yeah. you know, talking with them and everything. And so I was like, that's what I'll do. Yeah. You know, I'll contact a bunch of people, ask if they'll talk to me. That's when I sort of like you came more on my radar. I, I saw your name on on 
performance uh, mm. lineups and stuff. Right. And I had an idea. I think we were Facebook friends or something. Mm. But I, when I started seeing those, I was obviously like, I mean, I do this show. Yeah. So I was drawn to that. And you seem to be a really like uh, natural host and you really got great conversations out of people. So I was like secretly like waiting for you to ask <laughs> me, like, please. Um, and then that was just a blast too. Yeah, like, it was fun. We talked about it. So uh, I, it's funny too, because I think that, I don't know if you've broken it since, but I think that was the longest episode you had done. Yes. We talked for like two hours. Yeah. And then I just did JF's um, podcast, you know, um, what is it called? Sa- a happy Hour with Sad Comedians. Thank you, yeah. thank you. And uh, we talked for like two hours and 20 mm. minutes or something too. Yeah. So that's my thing. I'm trying to break records on everybody's show. Um, okay, so you had a few though, right? Because there there was Shooting the Breeze, which I was on, and you had, that yes. was kind of your main one, I think. Yeah, that was the one I did uh, myself. Okay. Um, and then I did one with Don Zanklin called Black Don't Crack. Which is obviously <laughs> true. This 53-year-old Nubian princess here. No. No, honestly, God, you have amazing skin. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm not just trying to blow hot air up your ass. I've told you this before. I could not believe your age. I actually, I don't know if you know Terry. He's a good friend of mine. But um, I told him last night, and he could not believe that you were 53. He was I can't believe I'm 53. <laughs> yeah, I getting old is weird. Yeah. It's weird, yeah. I'm 35. Like... I know that's young to you, but it's all relative. <laughs> it feels old to me. But yeah. I feel like I'm a 35-year-old with three kids. It's just, I don't process that. <laughs> I mean, I love it. Yeah. I love where I'm at, but I still feel like I'm like 21. And yeah, me too. Time, like, I know? still feel like I'm 30 sort of thing, you know. But like I, yeah. I just got all these uh, headshots, and um, I'm trying to get more back into acting. It's not something I've done in a major way, but it's something I've always enjoyed, and I think I have a, a decent knack for it. And uh, the woman who took the photos was saying, like, oh, well, like, you've got a lot of looks, and I think this one in the suit, you really look like you could be, like, a lawyer or a detective. <laughs> and it's like, I was talking to Kelly today in the car about... Just if let's say I got a role like that playing a detective, it would be so weird because in my mind, I'm like, detectives have to go to school for a long time and like learn a bunch of shit, how to shoot a gun. It's like, I can't be that old, but like, but I could play that and people would be like, you know, it's believable. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, he's, he's a detective. <laughs> it's just weird how we perceive ourselves versus how we're seen by others. You it's know? true. It's true. It's true. Like I always say, I wish I saw myself the way my friends see me, but I'm glad that they don't see me the way I see myself. That's so true. You know? Yeah. Yeah, because we're all so hard on ourselves, or at least most of the people I know. Yeah. Maybe because I know a lot of comedians. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That we're all very critical of ourselves. Self-deprecating, yeah. 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 And then we're yeah. Like, but it's funny. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm going to cry. Did, did it get a laugh? You know? <laughs> yeah. It's a weird thing. To, that's why I, like, I don't get that with acting, you know what I mean? I mean, again, it's not something that I'm very experienced in, but I really like I don't know. I just enjoy it more. Comedy's okay. fun. I will always try to do it and get back to it. And I'll always go watch shows. I always love be a fan of comedy. Mm-hmm. But I sometimes feel like I'm just more of a comedic leaning artist of some kind. Like, okay. you know, like I, I like this show mm-hmm. and I get to be funny, but right. I don't have to be. I'm a comedian. That's what I do. Okay. And some people are the opposite. They're born to be comedians and it's mm-hmm. just like in their blood. I am not that. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know I have no, because, you know, like lots of comedians turn to acting. I'm like, I have no acting skill. I think I was in a play in grade six and forgot my lines and ran off crying. See, that's the thing I don't get with acting. I've never, um, like I get still so anxious before comedy stuff. Even if I'm like super practice and I'm not worried about the material or anything, um, I still just, it eats me up until I'm done. Whereas when I did acting, um, like I had a bit part in a movie playing, I was like the guitar player in the band or whatever. And like at no point was I nervous and we did okay. these long days and I don't know, it was just a different vibe that I really Yeah, enjoyed. I'm the opposite. 
yeah, yeah like I don't like, get yeah. um a few times I might get a little anxious but I know like I I know a lot of comedians where they're like they anxiety vomit or something or they, yeah, I'm they not that feel bad. sick or or something and I've never felt um very, very few times have I felt like <gasps> I'm nervous. Um, most of the time, I'm just I'm just excited. I like I can't wait to get up. Yeah, there's yeah. A, there's excitement in there too, but excitement can still be overwhelming. Right. Like, I, for me, it's just a lot of um, like second guessing all my shit for like a week prior yeah. to the. It's once I know I have a date locked in, I spend like the week before just like you know <laughs> racking my brain, and it's not enjoyable. Uh, but acting stuff, I don't know. I just think that uh, I, part of it is because like even when I film skits with my friends there's the ability to do another take, which you right. don't really get in comedy. No. I mean, you can, if, you, if you're if you bombing, you can potentially turn things around. I've seen some people do that, but yeah. it's not the same as be like, hey, can we, can we just take yeah, that can again? Can we start over? Yeah. You know, <laughs> and, and there's something very liberating about that. And, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden, I mean, I'm not someone that's needed like a ton of takes, but it's nice to know. That the you know, option is there. Yeah, yeah like if you need it. A couple backups like, oh, that was a little off or whatever. So <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that just makes me a, a big baby. I don't know. <laughs> Um, okay, so with your shows, there's. I really wanted to touch on what happened to you when you guys got Zoom bombed. Oh my god! And you can awful. tell this story, but basically, in the nutshell, some racist assholes somehow like hacked into your Zoom call and started like being giant racist oh assholes. Oh my god, it was horrible. Um, yeah, because Don and I used to have it on uh, on Zoom, and for the first little while, it was just the two of us. But then we were like, oh, let's open it up. And, you know, if somebody wants to come into the Zoom call with us and, oh, okay. you know, just do stuff like that. So this I think actually that was one of the last episodes we did, if not the last one. I think we might have done one after that. So, um, yeah, so we opened it up and we were live on Facebook, had our Zoom, um, the Zoom meeting going. And so people start coming in and it's names we recognize. So I'm like controlling, like letting people in. And uh, then at some point, so there were maybe like five or six people in. When I, and in hindsight, I remember thinking, that's a lot. Like usually it's like one or two people and, we, and it's usually the same people who would come in. And we had like five or six people in there and I thought it was strange. And a lot of people you don't recognize. Yeah, well, some of the names, the names were familiar, but... I was like, you know, this person usually doesn't come in or mm. this person usually watches on Facebook sort of thing. But I didn't think anything of it. And then I remember this video clip pops up of a body on the ground getting riddled with bullets, like somebody getting executed oh, on the sidewalk. And I was like, holy fuck. I didn't know that part. Yeah, I cut that out. I cut oh, that okay. out. Yeah, because I did watch it and I heard yeah, some I of cut it. Yeah, I cut it. I cut that's the only part I cut out. Probably for the best. Yeah, it was horrible. It was yeah. horrifying. And it was real, legitimate. It wasn't like fake. I'm not sure. It yeah. looked real. It Good looked Lord. real. But either either way, it was horrifying. So I was like, no one needs to see that. So I shut that down. And, and this person being murdered was a person of color, I assume, based on this racist? Mm, I, or no? I, I couldn't tell because they were face down. Okay, They were face enough. down and I couldn't see the... Because I didn't look at it close enough. Yeah. Um, but I just remember the, the body was face down and you can only see like mid mid thigh down of the people shooting um Crazy. so i remember I, I closed that window and then i think we we i booted some people out because i was like this is weird and then i remember somebody named jake popped up and we know a jake 
who's a comic, who's a really sweet guy. And I remember Dawn said, Jake, I hope this is a Jake we know. Um, and she's like, can you hear us? And then we hear this guy, can you, can you hear me? And we're like, yeah, yeah, is this Jake? Is this Ottawa Jake? And then the guy starts, you effing ends and da-da-da-da-da. And we were just like, I guess you saw our faces. I was yeah. like, and well, Don's like, oh, fuck you, shut up and everything. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, like just, I can't even believe I, yeah, this. exactly. Yeah. And then all these windows start popping up and I'm trying to close them. And then when I thought I had closed everything up, then this like banjo music comes on it's like we're the kkk da 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 da. what the fuck it it was it was the weirdest fucking thing i i'd never experienced anything like that it was like kind of time on that i know that's that's what i don't understand so we managed to shut everything down we locked i think that there's a feature on zoom that you can um lock it that nobody else can come in so we locked it down and we were rattled of course you know we kept going but we were we were rattled and um who would anticipate that that would ever happen exactly exactly it's clearly like aggressive and racially motivated definitely definitely and so we just we just kept going and then i remember don saying we're gonna cut that out and at first i was like yeah we'll just cut all of that out and then when we got to the end of the when we were wrapping things up i said you know what i'm not cutting it out i said i'm gonna cut out that part of the person being murdered yeah uh, nobody needs to see that, but I was like, I'm leaving it all in because people need to see how, how easy it is, how unprovoked, how ugly and disgusting yeah. it is. You know, and there's that, a lot of people who try to pretend because they don't want to deal with it. They're like, oh, there's not that much racism. Yeah, exactly. Especially not in Canada. Exactly. I mean, these guys may have been from the States. Yeah. It's online, but, but nevertheless, yeah. I get your point. Like people need to wake up and see like, this is shit that people actually have to deal with. Yeah. And, you know, uh, white people are the most guilty of just being like, well, it's not happening to me, so... Yeah, and then you, know. you don't see it, you know? Because nobody's going to... Like, no one is going to attack me, like, say, verbally attack me racially if I was standing with you. I mean, they might, but... You they know, might, it'd but... It'd be much less likely yeah, exactly. to happen. Versus me by myself or me with other people of color, mm-hmm. um, it's less likely. And so I said, you know, I want people to see this, to see that it's everywhere, to see that... You know, it's not provoked. It's totally unprovoked. Well, to them, it's provoked because here's yeah, two, how dare two you? women of color doing a show speaking. together. What? <laughs> yeah. Fucking, Thinking oh, and speaking. <laughs> Having opinions. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, that was, yeah, exactly, that was the, the the provocation that, like, how dare we, That's so you know. Ridiculous. Yeah. Beyond belief. Yeah. And it was, I remember, because um, usually I would, like, edit stuff like that right away. Um, and like make sure it's up right away. I couldn't look at it for like hours after. Well, yeah, yeah, like I was just yeah, it was of, super yeah. triggering. And in the moment, it didn't hurt. In the moment, I was just I was more shocked, and it was just like just shut this down, like get them out of here. But um, like hours later, it hurt. Well, yeah, you process it. Yeah, and start going like, what kind of human beings are? Yeah, like yeah. is like is this? Yeah, like what what's happening? You know, because this was after George Floyd and all the other crazy shit that happened, yeah. you know, and yeah, it was, I like, it was hours before I could, like, look at the video to edit it. Well, I'm sorry you had a, to go through that, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. on, on, I don't know why I'm apologizing on, on behalf <laughs> yeah, of it wasn't you, Clark's, was right? it no. you, was it you? <laughs> it's my white guilt, what can I say? <laughs> 
um, I, I just, well, you're my friend, and, and I just I'm sorry. Generally, you know, it's the same mm-hmm. if someone's uh, you know relative passes away. I would say mm-hmm. I'm sorry you had to go through that. You right. Know? It just, right. It's unfair and yeah. it's not cool. Yeah. <laughs> at all. No, but like the, I know the thing is that I wanted people to see it. Yeah, you turned it into a yeah. positive yeah. by at least like bringing some awareness to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, happened. because I know like a lot of people were were shocked when they saw it, and they and I got like so many. I think Don did too. I got so many message, like private messages saying, I just watched it and like how you guys held it together. I have no idea. And unfortunately that's part of, that's part of our existence. Which is, uh, you know, it makes me sick. If I reacted to every overt, um, everything, every overt or microaggression, I'd be like 24 seven. That's exhausting. I can't, I can't, I can't. I can't do that. I would say that was a macro aggression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah. It was, that was more on the macro side. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, but, I wanted to ask you actually then because um, you know, I mean, I've said this on the show before. I don't have a ton of black friends, not because I don't want them, but just because <laughs> I'm a, a white guy who grew up in a white neighborhood. And as I get older, I'm always trying to meet more more women, more people of color. I really do want to learn from different walks of life right. that I maybe wasn't exposed to. And that's mm-hmm. nothing against my parents. They didn't like not <laughs> let me associate with black people. I went to a really whitewashed school though too. So um, this is a unique opportunity for me to ask someone, a person of color, like what was uh, seeing and witnessing all the George Floyd stuff like for uh, also a person in Canada too. You're somewhat mm-hmm. removed uh, from... Right. I mean, we had our own here, but I would say it was a lot more hardcore what was going on in the States. Right. Um, um, but yeah, what was that like? Because it's basically the civil rights movement of this century. Yeah, of our of our generation, yeah. of our of our era. It was, hmm, it's it was upsetting. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Um, it was upsetting because just, like, I didn't watch the video. I just saw clips and things like that. I was like, I don't need to, I don't need to see that. Um, but it was just like the thought that a man can kneel on another man's neck and not think that this might kill him. Especially someone who's supposed to be like, who's supposed to protect us. Exactly. Exactly. And despite, you know, people all around saying you're hurting him, you're killing him. He can't breathe. Mm -hmm. And the man himself begging for his life, like, and, and over eight minutes. Exactly. Exactly. And then, and his fellow officers not doing anything because there's that blue line that, you know, you don't, you don't. Uh, correct or or cross your fellow officers like you back them up no matter what sort of thing Um, so I felt a lot of sadness and disgust with that Um, I think stuff that bothered me was there was a lot of performative a lot of performative um, activism um, that because the thing is I think people think that we can't tell the difference between you mean it and you don't mean it and mm-hmm. we can't. <laughs> oh, so you're saying people who attended the the protests and stuff just to like look like they care? Well, not or... so much the people that, not the people, I wouldn't say the people who went to protests. I, I feel like people, I, I, I think more online was more performative. I think if you, because I didn't go to protests. Well, it was also during quarantine, right? Yeah, exactly. So, like, a lot quarantine. Of people were like, this is maybe not a good idea. Yeah, like there was respect. one that I wanted to go to, but I was like, I remember talking to B. Black about that. Yeah. Actually, I interviewed him the same day he had gone. I think it was a Friday, Shout and out he to had Barnell. gone. Yeah, and he had gone to a, a rally at. Um, I think it was on Parliament Hill, and I had wanted to go, but I was like, I don't want to get caught up in if violence erupts. Yeah, you know, I don't. I don't want to get caught up. We're in a quarantine first. We're in pandemic. We're supposed to be in lockdown. 
So we really shouldn't be going out. But I was like, I don't want to get caught up in anything. And, you know, if you, um, if you, if you look up, um, like how to, how to, how to do activism sort of thing, one of the first things they say is don't go alone. And I would have been going alone. Well, I wonder why that is. Um, they say because they're always, um, troublemakers, like people who go there with the express, um, intention to, to cause shit. Hmm. They they have nothing. They may or may not have anything to do with the cause, but so they're if you there. Go to, alone, you might get pegged for one yeah. of those people. No, no, you might oh, get okay. like Just attacked. Harassed by them. Like yeah, that. harassed by those people because they'll see you as, you know, like the like the like the a we- herd of sheep, and yeah. like one sheep's alone, <laughs> and like all the wolves go after the one that's the wounded gazelle. The, yeah. he said, the wounded gazelle, or oh. the old. I'd be the old sick one. <laughs> you know, that's, you know, so, uh, so I was like, okay, I don't want to go alone. Um, I've never been much, I'm not a big activist type person. Um, and I wanted to go, but I just decided against it because I was like, I was afraid, you know? So I feel like people who, you know, put on their shoes and put the jacket on and go out. I feel that that's like, they mean it. They're sincere about it. Um, putting a black square on your oh my god i was just gonna say <laughs> putting a black square on your profile picture and you not nothing. going to the protest like at least from from a white guy's perspective i almost think like like it's great if, if people of color want to come out and protest and obviously i understand why the motivation it's affecting mm. them directly but they're not the ones who should be coming out the people mm. who should be coming out are the white people and the people who who need to be making these changes right. and, and the people who unfortunately are running a lot of these institutions like corrupt police forces right. and stuff like that um, so you not going, like, I, I would never be like, Psh. like you get a kind of a free pass cause you've been dealing with this shit your whole life. Like you definitely understand, you know, unless you're one of these weird black Trump supporters or something, which I don't even understand, but okay. That's bizarre to me. That's but so weird. It's I was so weird. Just getting paid off or... It's crazy. It's crazy. Cause I'm like, is this a joke? Because how could this be real? But, um, yeah. So, uh, and I had a, like a lot of people, I, I know they meant well, but they would be like, well, what can I do? What should I do? And I'm like, how about you Google, Google something, yeah. Google it. You know, it's like, why do I have to do the emotional labor? Well, that's what I you? did. I, I felt very much like I don't, I want to help, but I don't know how. Mm-hmm. And the black square ship to me was like the dumbest. <laughs> that's like literally the laziest thing you could do. <laughs> well, I changed my profile picture yeah. on Instagram to a black square. So, you know. <laughs> Check that box. Like, what the fuck? That was the dumbest shit ever. It was so stupid. um, And thank you. I'm glad that we both agree being on different sides of, you know, the racial coin here or whatever. But um, I I just started trying to read stuff. I started trying to read like, oh, let's read this letter that Martin Luther King wrote in jail in Mm -hmm. Birmingham. And, you know, I learned about the atrocities of Black Wall Street in, uh, I believe it was Oklahoma. Yeah. And uh, just I just tried to educate myself. And, yeah. I, and I know that's not directly helping necessarily as far as like protesting or that kind of thing. But I don't know. It seemed like it still made me feel better. About, yeah. Like, and the thing is, you're learning and you're opening not your being mind. Naive, you yeah. Know. Because a lot of people and the thing is, it was it's not just white people who have things to unlearn. We all have things to unlearn. Like, um, like I have things to unlearn. And what I what bothered me, what I felt like kind of resentful about was um, people were looking to me for like for all the answers. And Cause I'm, you're their token black person. Exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm like the only one they know. And I'm like, and I'm like, you know what? My experience is very, very different 
I have a different experience to a lot of other black people. Yeah. So like, don't don't look at me. For, they're, well, their hearts in the right place a yeah. lot of the time when they're reaching mm-hmm. out. At least they're right. trying to be like. But it's weird because you're like, I'm not HR for black exactly. people. <laughs> exactly. You know, just fill out these forms and. <laughs> Like, exactly. I get what you're saying. It's, yeah. it's a little weird to yeah. have people propositioning you like that. Mm-hmm. Like, to, and I was getting me- like tons of messages and like, what can I do? What can I do? And it and I was like, the, I said like the the best thing you can do, and I don't know how many people would actually do it, would be to like call out call out racism. Like stop making excuses for your racist uncle. Yeah. Or your racist mother in law. Disassociate a lot yeah. of time. If you can't change people's minds, yeah. get those toxic. Yeah, call them out. Life. Call them out. Let them know that it's wrong. But I know like the, and the same thing for homophobia are... and all exactly, that. Exactly. Like... All of that stuff. Like, yeah, exactly. Somebody makes like a trans joke yeah. or something like shut that shit down i mean it depends if you're in a comedy club and it's actually a good joke and it's not like in a hateful way because I, I always yeah. try to say there's always humor to be found mm-hmm. in almost anything but yeah i think if you're doing it in a professional comedic setting that's in a respectful one thing. kind of way yeah. yeah but if you're just out on the street like yeah oh, did you see that she guy over there or like some yeah. stupid shit yeah yeah exactly exactly so it comes from fear though exactly it's fear and lack of knowledge yes you know i would say that the lack of uh, or the fear of the unknown of like, and especially a lot of people, uh, I mean, gay uh, homophobia, it's almost always someone who is wrestling with their own, like, yeah. I'm not sure, maybe I'm into <laughs> guys, but they just like were raised so blatantly that that's evil. Maybe it's religious. Maybe yeah. it's just their dad being like, all right, raised no faggot or yeah. whatever, you know, like that kind of shit makes exactly. me so sad because so mm-hmm. many people could have turned out differently if their parents weren't it's shitty. It's true. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And it's, it's really, the number one really reason sad. I think that we have fucked up grown-ups is fucked up shitty parents. Yeah. And I, I almost feel like you should have to take a of test course. or something before yeah. you can... You need a permit or something. Yeah. Like, you need a permit to get a dog. You know what but I mean? But a human, you can just, Yeah, like, you just... You know, <laughs> you just and sometimes it's an one. accident. Yeah, exactly. Good Lord. <laughs> Not a great system. No. No. But I know um, uh, there was one... Because I was seeing a lot of posts like, oh, thank God we are not in the States. Canada's not like this. You know, we're not racist like that. And I remember like shutting that down. Native American. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And so I remember writing a post and I wrote this post just off the top of my head, you know, to shut people down, to, to, to let it know, let it be known that, no, there's racism here too. You know, I don't talk about it. You know, fortunately in like my life, I haven't experienced a lot of it. I haven't experienced like anything like horror, like really horrible, Mm -hmm. Um, but I've experienced it. And just off the top of my head, I wrote, you know, um, these are, these are some of the experiences that I've, I've had. And there was like a long list, right? In in Canada. And those were, I listed maybe, I don't don't know, like 12, 15. Yeah, I read that. You know, um, and that happened here in Canada. And those are just off the top of my head. sort of thing you know and people like oh my god i had no idea why didn't you tell like for certain ones people knew the story like why didn't you tell me i would have done something what would you have done what would i have said i think when people say there's less racism racism in canada they're saying like just because there's maybe less people being like actually murdered by the police 
But that doesn't mean there's no racism. It just exactly. means it hasn't gotten as blatant and extreme. Mm-hmm. And you just fatal. not see it's 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 subtle here. But then again, with the Native Americans, the RCMP. Oh yeah, oh yeah. They pretty much do do that same heinous shit. So yeah, exactly. and, and imagine all the things we don't see that don't get recorded. Yes, here okay. and in the states. Exactly, you know? exactly. There's a lot for everything that you see. There could be like I don't know how I don't know how many others that haven't been reported, haven't been recorded. Yeah, you know. It's it's disturbing that you'll see like a messed up video. And then there's always some asshole in the comments who's like, well, well, we don't have the full context here. I'm like, they're beating him with a pipe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, what, what more context do you need? Yeah, I know. Yeah, there's always somebody who's got to play like devil's advocate. And uh, it's, which it's, is a healthy thing to do sometimes, but not when it's something like someone being murdered or, or mm. some clear violation of just human dignity. This, don't be the devil's advocate yeah, on that guy. <laughs> exactly. Ugh. There's no yeah, but for certain things, you know? It's, uh, I don't know, it's weird, because that stuff leaves you feeling kind of toxic and, and poisoned when you absorb too much of it, but you don't want to yeah. turn a blind eye because then right. you're just part of the problem. So. Exactly, it's exactly. Weird. And and I think, I think the good thing that's come out of it is that people, not just white people, people are, are more aware of, like, the injustices and just how how um, ingrained it is to the point that all of us didn't even realize that we're living under, you know, systemic racist laws and rules and regulations and like how far back they go and, and that like um, um, Nova Scotia had like has a very ugly racist I've heard past. the East Coast is still pretty racist yeah. t- towards a lot of people. Yeah. yeah, like I've been to the East Coast it's beautiful. I find the people are are friendly, but I know I've got my guard on just because I know the history. Someone you know? I don't remember who it was told me that they were like, "Oh, I was visiting my folks in Newfoundland or whatever," and there was like they saw like a Confederate flag on a pickup truck. I'm like, "Are you kidding me? In Canada, that doesn't even apply to our history." I'm I know. Like, <laughs> people are oh, so yeah. dumb sometimes. Yeah. I don't know. It's it and I, like I see that as a symbol of hate. I see that flag as a symbol, as, I think symbol most of people hate. Do at yeah. This point. yeah, like it's it's the same as seeing like the Nazi flag for me. Yeah, it, I it, I get this. I have the same response, like the recoil and horror sort yeah. of thing, like hate, like autom- I automatically think racist. You know, it's just strange to me that that all of a sudden erupted, like, yeah. and it didn't happen years ago. I think uh, I think like the pandemic, the fact that we. Mm. We're all like confined to our homes. We're spending more time on our phones or, you know, in front of a computer screen on like on Facebook or Twitter. Well, people are agitated. Yeah, people are agitated. Yeah. And so we're just seeing because we're spending more time in front of, you know, in front of a screen that we're just seeing more than we did when we had other things to do. And it just you hit know? a breaking point. Yeah. 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 I think it was just like a boiling point and it just like erupted that. You know, um, George Floyd was just like the pinnacle, like the the, the straw, the straw the exactly back, yeah. the straw that broke the camel's back, yeah. because there have been hundreds, thousands even. And of, like I've seen, I remember seeing a video where they they proved that this cop had like totally planted all this drugs in this guy's routine traffic stop, and just because he was black, and mm-hmm. maybe the cop wanted the arrest on his record or whatever. Yeah. I don't know, but like that shit's crazy. Yeah, you know? and they always get acquitted. They're never. And and the, like the the officer with George Floyd didn't he got charged with something I'd never even heard like fourth degree something it was some they had weird to make up a new one. they yeah. made up a new one and it was like fourth degree what that was like deliberate and yeah. you know intent there was like full intent there like he you don't kneel on someone's neck and not think that you're gonna kill them yeah you know what I mean and it was just like 
And then, of course, you have the yeah, but people. Oh, well, he had a criminal record. That doesn't just so yeah, so, so throw what? Him in jail. Yeah, him arrest him. Like he shouldn't he shouldn't die. What happened to due process? Exactly. Yeah. But then at the same time, that kid who went with like a I don't know guns, but he went with like a machine gun. Yeah, I know you're talking and about killed like Kyle seven people. I think his name yeah. Was, yeah, and it's like oh, you know, he has mental health issues. Well, clearly he does. If yeah. he just but how is he still alive? Like, no, it's crazy. I'm not. I'm not advocating. Oh, kill him too. But I'm like, no. But the amount of stories yeah. you see where, where like, what was the other guy? That Brock Turner guy who like raped a chick in an alleyway. Yeah. and He got like three months or something. Yeah. I'm, I'm not quoting all those as facts. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I'm getting some of that wrong. But the amount of times you see somebody who's white, this is especially in the states, that does something really bad and gets kind of a slap on the wrist, so yeah. to speak. And then the amount of black young men who are like in jail because they had a gram of weed or yeah. something for like twenty years, like yeah, exactly. Because it was some racist judge or whatever, you know. Like, exactly, the book is thrown at them, or um, or they're running away because because uh, I remember there were a, few, a few years ago there were like four or five like murders in a row. Well, the hangings was oh, the blatant God. hangings in the parks. Yeah, that I'm was like, like oh, what fucking not... year are we in here? Like. Yeah, those were, were lynching, people, lynching again? Like, people again, exactly. And, and people try to say they weren't unrelated, or they were related, but it was like, no, they were all over the U.S., one's in Florida, one's in, Yeah, but, you know, you know the clan is, you know, all over the place. Yeah. You know, there's a network of of these things, and, yeah, it, 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 it's awful, and it's, um, because that... clan is ridiculous. Like, can I just say, like... Just the name, just the stupid name. The name, name. the fucking outfits... <laughs> The fact that they have grand wizards and shit like that, like, who the fuck designed their organization? I'm sorry, guys. This is going to lose me some KKK subscribers. You can go fuck yourself. I don't care. Um, but honestly, like, beyond just what they do is horrible, mm-hmm. they need a better PR person or, or uh, whatever you call it, like a designer. Like, their whole motif, everything about them is terrible. Uh, anyways. <laughs> I don't know. Like, yeah, the, I don't know what I'm trying to say poo-ball. here. If you're going to be a racist group, at least do it in style. Yeah, do be cool about it. <laughs> the point I'm alluding to is just Grand Wizards. What the hell? <laughs> do you think you're magical? <laughs> they do you not know do. wizards aren't real? Like, how is that your thing you're trying to get to? I don't know. It's very bizarre. Very bizarre. Very um, bizarre. Okay, well, I mean, I think we, I don't know, we can pivot at this point. We've, we've gotten pretty heavy into the yeah. racial style. I'm glad we talked about it, yeah, too, and too. I was really happy to get your perspective on that. Because, um, obviously, I'm a white dude. Like, my, my perspective is limited to that, and I'm trying mm-hmm. to broaden it. But what's the best way? Connect with people, yeah. you know? Yeah, ask um, people about their experiences, yeah. Yeah, especially people who are much more affected by this shit mm-hmm. than me. Um, mm-hmm. But I wanted to, maybe this is too personal, but... Did you like almost die a few years ago? I remember you telling me you got yeah. really sick or something. I, yeah, I, I had assume two, there's a story there. Yeah, I had two uh, near fatal um, experiences. The first one was in uh, 2014. Oh. I had uh, a bilateral pulmonary embolism. Oh, so what that is is blood say, clots. I'm reacting, but I don't know what that is. <laughs> it, sound, it, sounds pulmonary. Scary, yeah. <laughs> it sounds scary. So what that means is I had blood clots in both my lungs. Oh, Jesus. And uh, I'm very fortunate because the first, some for, for a lot of people, the first sign of a pulmonary, pulmonary embolism is death, is sudden death. Oh, and wow. I had them in both lungs. They don't know what caused it. Um, because I went from being very active, like I used to work out like three, four times a week, walk everywhere, to, you know, I can't catch my breath. 
I'm like super tired. My legs were just like, out of nowhere. Just out of nowhere. Just like Weird. one day I was like, you know, just Ooh. to walk up walking things that took nothing out of me. I'm like, thank God you went to the doctor then. Yeah. So I went to the doctor, but the thing is I went to, a, to the doctor for something unrelated. Oh. Cause what had happened was I went to the doctor in June and about two or three weeks before that I had slipped in the bathtub. And I, I felt pretty badly. Like I was like, I hit, I broke the toilet with my head Ooh. sort of thing. Like I just slipped, I pulled the, the. Holy hell. The, yeah. I just. The toilet pretty hard to yeah, break. Yeah. I broke, I broke the seat, oh, <laughs> the geez. toilet with my head sort of thing. Gosh. And I remember, I, I'm not sure if I woke up or, or what. I'm not sure if I lost consciousness or not, but I just remember like realizing I'm in this weird position with my head wedged between the, the, the toilet and the and the bathtub and one uh, cat on me licking my shoulder. She's licking the water off my shoulder. <laughs> like, what just happened? And so about a week after that, um, I remember being at home and throughout the day, every time I took a breath, I felt like a little, like somebody was poking me Ooh. and it got worse and worse and worse. And it got to the point where I was like, am I having a heart attack sort of thing? And I remember just taking like two Tylenol and then it went away. And I was like, okay. And so then the next, I think it was like the following week, I went to the doctor. And so I was telling her, I think, I think, you know, I need to, my, I think my asthma medication needs to be adjusted because I'm out of breath and my ankles keep swelling up. And I was last, you know, I had this pain, but I, it's because I fell in the tub and everything. And I remember like thinking back, I remember seeing her do this, like her eyes started and, and then she said, okay. And she examined my feet and everything and like listened to my heart and all of that. And she's writing out a requisition for me to go get a blood test. And I remember her highlighting some stuff in yellow, but I didn't think anything of it. And so she slides the paper over to me and she's like, there's some clinics that are open that have, you know, late hours. So you could probably go today. And I remember thinking, that's weird because she knows whenever she sent me for a test, I'd go. Like she never had to urge urge me to go for the test. So... I remember not thinking much of it and I was like, okay, well, there's a, I can go to this one, but I was like, oh, it's like a two block walk. I, I, I can't do it. Cause you were so out of breath. I was just so out of breath and just so uncomfortable. So oh. I went the next day, which was, I went on my way to work and I stopped at one that was just easier to get to. Went, did the test, got back on the subway, continued. This was like a breathing test or no? It was a blood test. Oh, blood test. A okay. blood test. So, um, so the next morning, it's Saturday morning, I'm just sitting and I'm having coffee and then it's, my phone rings and it's an unknown number. So I, I ignore it. Rings again, unknown number. Um, so after like the third time, I'm like, if it's that important, they'll leave a message. Sure enough, they call again, they leave a message. So I listen to it and it's my doctor. So this is like a Saturday morning. I've had the test barely 24 hours ago. So on the message, she says, um, I got the results of your blood test. And um, it's a thing called D-dimers that cause she suspected I had blood clots. And um, so this this number of, um, it, it's I guess it's, it counts a protein in your blood. Okay. And it's called D-dimer. It's a D-dimer test. And so let's say the normal range is like from zero to like 10 or something. 
my number was like 3000. Like my number was just oh my God. crazy, crazy high. And so she says, uh, I'll call you back. She's like, pick up the phone this time. But in the meantime, she's like, pack a bag, go to the hospital. Like now, like, don't wait till Monday. Don't wait till tomorrow. Go now. And uh, it's easy to stay calm in that situation. Exactly. So I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. So she calls back and she tells me all this thing. And she's like, you have blood clots. And she said, I suspect that they're in your lungs. And, you know, tell the nurse, you know, this is the stuff that when you get to triage, tell the nurse this, that, you know, your numbers that your doctor told you to come in and this, that, the other. So I said, okay. So I packed up all my stuff and I'm freaking out. And <laughs> instead of like calling an Uber, I don't know if Uber was, was around, but instead of calling an Uber or a taxi, I'm waiting for the streetcar. I'm on the streetcar going to the hospital. My doctor's telling me I'm dying. I was yeah. just like freaked out. But you're probably in denial to some degree at that yeah, point. Yeah, I think I was just panicked. I was just like, yeah. I got to catch the streetcar. <laughs> you know. So I took the streetcar to the hospital. Dumb. Um, so I go in. Tell the nurse, and the nurse's face went like this when I, when I told her this stuff, and she's like, "Okay, just wait right here." So she leaves the room. She comes back out. Another nurse comes, takes my blood pressure and everything, and then she says, "Okay, just wait out in the. Just go to the waiting room. We'll be with you as soon as we can." Okay, so I go out there. My butt hasn't even hit the seat. The doors to the emergency room fly open. These two nurses say my name, and I'm like, "Yeah." They grab me. They drag me <laughs> into the emergency room. They throw me on a bed. They open up my shirt. They're putting these EKG things on me, wow. taking my pulse. And I remember one nurse goes, your, your heart rate's pretty high. I'm like, yeah, because yeah. you're freaking me out. Like, <laughs> what the hell's happening? You know? Jesus. Yeah, so it turned out that, um, yeah, I had multiple clots in my lungs. And What um, do they do to remedy that? Um, well, they, they put me through um, like a it's the machine an MRI okay um yeah just to see where they were and then I had to give until I could get um an appointment with the specialist I had to give myself injections in my belly to oh. break up the, the these proteins um must have been fun yeah and every time <laughs> like I'm not afraid of needles but I don't like giving needles to exactly. myself that's what I was just gonna say self-administering <laughs> exactly. seems like the weird part so it's so I had to do that and every you're bruised. It's just the nature of it. Even though it doesn't hurt, you're bruised. Mm. Um, but fortunately, I got to see uh, the specialist like a few days later. This was a Saturday. It must have been a nerve-wracking few days. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I'm like alone in Toronto. And, like my parents, were, my, both my parents were alive at that. Well, my father was towards the end of his life at that point. But my family is in Montreal. I'm in Toronto. Um, so I was alone in the hospital. And um, I didn't want to tell my mom because I was like, my mom has enough to deal with right now. Let me just know what, let, let me just find out what's going on and uh, before I worry her for no reason. But I told my sister. I remember texting my sister and saying, okay, don't freak out. I'm in the hospital right now. I think I'll be fine, but this is what's but happening. what I have kills a lot of people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what, what I have <laughs> kills people, like, first shot. Yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah, because honestly, you were saying a lot of time that's how they find out. So you've already like beat the gone beyond that. I guess <laughs> exactly. you could take that as a positive. Yeah. So I saw. I ended up seeing um, the specialist like two or three days later. It was very fast, and uh, I've been on blood thinners 
ever oh, since. Oh, so there's no surgery or anything? No. Oh, cool. No. So I'm on blood thinners. And the thing is, like, I'm in some, like, pulmonary embolism support group sort of thing. Mm. And again, I got out very easily because there are some people who have had multiple reoccurrences of it. There are people who have died since because they keep coming back. Some with um, the swelling's never gone away, you know, so it's like I got off scot-free. So what, do you have any kind of long-term repercussions? from? Yeah, I've got permanent lung damage. Oh, I've nice. got lung damage, so it's like... I was going to smoke you on a joint. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, like, I used to smoke years ago. With cigarettes uh, or both? Cigarettes, okay. yeah. Yeah, I used to smoke cigarettes and uh, asthma. I've got asthma and everything, but I have permanent lung damage. So it's like I get winded very easily. Mm. You know, the fact that I'm fat doesn't help. But <laughs> no, but it makes it hard to exercise if you can't breathe. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like I, like I do exercise, but like anything cardio is very difficult. Out, yeah. It's, yeah, it's really difficult. So, you know, that's my, that's the, you know, the um, end result of that for me that I have like damaged, my lungs are damaged because mm. of it. Um, so I get I get winded very easily. I sound very breathy when I talk. Well, I was going to say just um, based on some of my own experiences, I don't have a lot of breathing issues, but um, I can only imagine when you're going through like an anxiety attack. Oh, yeah. And then you feel like you can't breathe not, on top of that. It's that much worse. Yeah, Good it's Lord. that much worse. Because when I have anxiety attacks, it, it sometimes feels like someone's sitting on my chest, mm. you know, which is... Um, which is frightening on its own. Panic attacks, I don't wish them on anybody. But then you have your own unique medical history to put into that Exactly, yeah. exactly. So that was the first time I almost died. <laughs> but there's another there's one? There's another one. The okay. other one was uh, two, in 2018. Um, because uh, I've always had like a regular period. Well, not irregular, but heavy periods. Okay. And I was also at the age where um, my periods got a little crazy because it's like, Am I stopping? Is it? Oh, just less yeah, just on like, time. Or yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just like going into Sporadic menopause. And, and Exactly. Just from going into menopause. And um, I went. Again, how is this woman in menopause? <laughs> it looks like she's 37, <laughs> but we'll, we'll keep going. Um, so I was having like irregular, you know, like in a, in a year I'd have maybe four periods. So I never knew when it was coming, oh, when weird. it wasn't coming. Like just a seasonal period. Yeah, exactly. It was just period. like, yeah. So I'd be like, oh, okay, I think it's coming sort of thing. But it was just my body adjusting to getting older and uh, moving into menopause. So um, period came and it was like heavier than normal. And it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And I was like, I knew something was wrong, but I was like, I'm not going to the hospital for my period. Well, it's probably a bit embarrassing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because the last thing I wanted was for the doctor and the nurse to be like, it's just your period. Like, yeah. you're not special. You don't want to seem like an alarmist. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I didn't go. But it, I think by the time I was like, something is wrong. Um, I called Telehealth Ontario. And um, by this point, I think I'd been bleeding heavily for about 12 days. Wow. And yeah, you really don't jump on these things. You kind no. of wait it out, take the streetcar. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I, I remember telling, the nurse called me back, and I remember telling her, and she was like, well, because there's certain things to determine, like, if you're hemorrhaging, okay. whether it's just heavy or if you're hemorrhaging. And I fell under the hemorrhaging thing. So she's like, you should go to the hospital. You need to go to the hospital. So I took a taxi to the hospital this time. I was like, I'm not... Did you take a hot air balloon this time? Some slower? <laughs> a pogo stick. <laughs> nice. in the hospital. <laughs> that would not be good for cardio. 
exactly. <laughs> so I got, I went to the hospital. I went to the closest hospital to me. Um, they really didn't do anything because um, they were like, you should really have gone to um, Mount Sinai because they have uh, an on-call um, gynecological Expert, service. Yeah. yeah. Um, like they have an emergency thing. Um, so they did, like they took my blood levels and I think I was at like 80, which is like the cutoff for transfusions. Hmm. So I think they called like for a consult. And they were like, it, give her a transfusion if her levels are below 80. And I think I was at like 85 or something like that. But on the cusp, yeah. Just on the cusp. And so they didn't give it to me. But they said, you know, if things get worse, you know, go, don't come here. Go to Mount Sinai. So I was like, okay. So I went home. Um, so they didn't do, really do anything. They examined me and everything. Um, then I remember the Monday... I had to go buy more products because I was going through them like crazy. And I literally parked around the corner. I didn't have a car, but I I got a zip car, like a little okay, zip yeah, car. The and I had to yeah. park. There were no parking spots like right in front of the store. I had to park around the corner. And it took me like 20 minutes because I would walk and I'd just be like, <sighs> and lean, a, lean on the building. Well, when you're losing so much blood. Yeah. Yeah. It so makes perfect sense. Exactly. So I... Finally, and you're, you're hampered breathing on top of Exactly. That. My damaged lungs on top Jesus, of it. That's rough. Yeah. So it was just, I just remember thinking like, I'm, I feel so weak. So I managed to get the stuff, got back home and everything. And it was the next day, the Tuesday, I woke up to go to work. I was still going to work. And I remember I just, I fell down. I was so weak. I fell down and I was like, I have to go to the hospital. I have to go to the hospital. So I called, I called an Uber and they took me to Mount Sinai and ordinarily they would drive you up to the door, but like the entrance of the hospital was under construction. So he had to leave me at the street. And so I was trying to make my way in and I kept stopping. And there was a parking lot attendant who saw me and he ran and got someone, got an orderly or someone to come out with a wheelchair yeah, yeah. to bring me in. So, um, and so now I've had, I have all the papers from, my visit on Sunday. And, uh, so I give, I give it to the, uh, the nurse who's taking the stuff. And I said, you know, I went to Mount Sinai. I went to Toronto Western on Sunday and they told me if I got worse to come here and this, that, the other. And so they put me in an examining room. They took my blood levels and I was at I think 59, like in two days, it just plummeted. Mm. And, um, so the doctor explained, you know, you've lost a lot of blood. We're going to have to give you a transfusion. I had, I ended up having four blood transfusions. Did he give you any idea why this was happening other than menopause? Um, well, the thing is I also had fibroids. Okay. So there, there were things going on, but, um, it went beyond like menopause. It was just, I shouldn't have been bleeding like that. Mm -hmm. And so they were giving me medicate, like intravenous medications to stop the bleeding. And they had said that. If the bleeding hadn't, if they weren't able to stop the bleeding, they would have just rushed me into surgery and taken everything out. Like a hysterectomy. Yeah, like a full yeah. hysterectomy, just take everything out, um, hmm. which I kind of wish they did. But anyway, that's a, another thing. So I was very weak. Um, I was getting, they gave me this like iron sucrose, not iron fructose or iron and sugar uh, intravenously. And, um, Four blood transfusions, and then they put me in a room. Like I had to, I was in the hospital for like four or five days, 
And I remember the first night I'd already had, I think, two transfusions and one of the doctors came in and I was scared. I was panicked. I was like, am I dying? And she's like, not anymore. <laughs> she's like, had you not come in today? She's like, you probably would have died at in, home. In your bed? Or yeah, I've just oh like God. bled to death and just died. They, they still didn't know really like what was happening? No. And... Their main concern was just stop the bleeding. Yeah. Get the bleeding to stop. It it did stop eventually. Um, and that was a that was a slower recovery than the embolism. Oh. Because to get your blood because that there's a reason why, like if you donate blood, you can only donate blood maybe twice a year. You've got to wait six months or at least six months before you could donate again. I didn't know that. Yeah, because your body has to replenish. Replenish. And you're only they're only taking like little a small amount. They they estimated I'd lost about a third of the blood in my body. Good Lord. Yeah. And I remember asking her, you know, am I going to die or am I dying? And she's like, not anymore. Which is kind of reassuring and terrifying. And terrifying at the same <laughs> time because I had no idea how close to death I was, which I think is a good thing okay. that I didn't realize how close to death I was. So how yeah. did they fix that if they didn't have to do surgery? Uh, medication. Okay. Yeah. So like I'm on, like I'm on a like a chemically induced menopause. So I have a I'm Ooh. on a uh, progesterone that like stops okay, my period. I've heard of that. Yeah. Yeah. So because part because of the blood clot issue, like that was a whole thing that made it complicated because I was on blood thinners. So blood thinners just you know I, a little cut, I'll bleed heavier just because of blood thinners. So it affects your period as well. Um. So they had to consult with the the hematologist that I was seeing, like, to make sure that, oh, if we do this, we don't kill her because she bleeds to death, or we do something and then she dies because... They're trying to pay attention to both yes, near-death experiences. Exactly. Yeah. You know, because, like, she has, you know, she's prone to embolisms, so we've got to be careful of that. She's bleeding a lot because she's on blood thinners, like... Can we right. take her off the blood thinners if we have to take her into surgery and all these? So there were all like these other these factors that were making things um, complicated. So right now I'm on. So after that experience, they put me on like the lowest dose of blood thinners possible because I was on a fairly high dose, and they put me on the lowest dose possible, and that's what I've been on for years. Mm -hmm. And then I'm on this progesterone. So did I can only assume both of those experiences had like a profound effect on you yeah. and how you live your life afterwards. Yeah, exactly. Not just physiologically, but like your your mindset of mm -hmm. like live every yeah. day to the fullest kind of Exactly. Thing. And then um, because after it was like a month after the pulmonary, pulmonary embolism, my father died. Mm -hmm. And then uh, five months after the the bleeding, my mother died. Lord. You know, and I was like... I don't want to leave my sister alone, you know, and, you know, so it's, yeah, it changes your mindset. And so that sort of is how, like, to go back to the very first question, like, that really got me thinking of, I need to do stuff that I enjoy. I need to live life in a way that I don't want to have regrets. I don't want to, I don't want to, like, whenever the time comes, I don't want to be like, Oh, what if, what if, what if? Yeah, what if I tried comedy? What if I had tried comedy? What if yeah. I had done this? What if I had done that? So I try to live it as so fully as I can. So if you're ever out there at a show laughing your ass off at Simone's jokes, know that uh, <laughs> it's all because of tragedy. Exactly. It's all tragedy. All trauma <laughs> and tragedy. <laughs> like Speaking that. of which, um, I watched one of your recent sets, and I have to say one of your jokes made me laugh so hard. Which one? You're talking about, um, is anybody here DTF? <laughs> 
That's a, a new one. The funniest shit ever. She says, does anyone hear DTF? Which, I don't know, Dad, you know what that stands for, right? No, but let her tell us. Okay, well, yeah, sure, sure, I don't know. Okay. Wait, you don't, he has to know what that means, though. You don't know what DTF stands for? Nope. It's down to fuck. Down generally. to fuck. It's like, are you oh. DTF? It's like a, yeah. a dating thing. Or yeah, whatever. exactly. Are you, yeah. Tinder, yeah. Yeah, whatever. Tinder, Tinder acronym sort so, of thing. So, I don't, I don't want to put you on the spot. I just love this joke. <laughs> It's a, actually it's a new joke. That's it's a great. brand new joke that I I threw it in last week. Yeah, when I was in Cornwall, I thought about it like the day before at Cornwall. I was like, I've got to put this in. Yeah. So. So. <laughs> so okay. So it's like I I say, hey, like anyone here DTF? And you had people, woo, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, me too. I'm always DTF, dying to fart. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to get to my car. Oh man, that's classic. Oh Jesus. I'm looking at my list and I think we honestly went through almost everything. Oh, cool. um, so that means we get to do the fun question at the end, which okay. last season was all about having a superpower. Uh, you don't know that no one knows the new one other than Rick Campanelli from last week. So the new question for this season is um, if and it's a big wide open one. If okay. you could be transported to any place and time in Earth's history, when and where would it be and why? Only the future. I'm not going back. Oh, wait, to I never thought someone would go to the future. That, I that's... would never go. Yeah, I'm not going back to like the 18th century, a southern plant plantation or something <laughs> like that. No, future only. <laughs> okay, interesting. I, I, I had never the, even considered the future. Yeah, the farthest back I would go would probably be maybe the 80s. I loved the 80s. I had a good time in the 80s. With no specific event or anything like Um. I, this is a weird question, I guess. I'm, I'm kind of just testing it out. I'm wondering. Some people I'm expecting, oh, I want to see a real dinosaur or like, you know, because just for a day, I should right. mention. You oh, just for a back. day? Yes, yes. I should make oh. sure to remind people of that. For one day, you get to go somewhere and experience whatever that time is. Can I interact with people who are yeah. there? Or? Yeah, yeah, Okay. Um... I don't know. It's Maybe uh. it's a too a wide open question. Because <laughs> there are things that I would love to experience again. And they, they tend to involve, like, when I was younger with, like, my parents, like, say, Nostalgia. a favorite yeah. holiday, like a, like a specific Christmas or a vacation we went on, something like that. That's a nice answer. You know, yeah. And the future is interesting, too, but I don't think I would ever want to go to the future just because what if you're like, I'll go to the year, blah, 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 and you get there and it's like nuclear wasteland. <laughs> you know, what if it's worse? Because right. the, the reason I said future is that I'm 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 assuming that things will be better for women and people of color in the future versus versus, what you versus know of the, the past, past. Yeah, yeah. versus what I know of the past. Yeah, I, guess I didn't really consider this from everybody's <laughs> perspective. I was just like, this will be fun. I want to have. I want to meet Freddie Mercury. That's the kind of answers I was expecting. Okay. you know, but uh, yeah, maybe I'll rethink this and retool it a bit. Sorry. No, no, not even. No, no. Um, I'm sure I'll still get fun answers from everybody. Yeah, you know, for sure. it's, I like the open nature of that question. Mm -hmm. But, anyways, yeah. yeah. So not going back to racist times. Yeah, that's exactly. kind of a no-brainer, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. No plantations. Like nothing. Thank you so much for coming. Oh, thank you and, for the uh, invite. I knew this, this was would be fun, fun and, and easy to talk to you. So um, anytime, you know, we will do this again. I'm sure. Oh, I'd love to. That'd be great. That'd and be great. Uh, I guess that's it, everybody. Okay. Thank you. We thank usually you. high five or we do the <laughs> jail hands. Whoops. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> right, see you, later, you everybody. Bye. Thank you. <laughs>